If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Romans, the book of Romans, please, chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, <clears throat> we're going to begin with verse 11 of Romans 13. It says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Every year about this time we begin our season of Advent, and for some of you this may be something that's kind of new. I know for myself growing up, uh, I never heard anything about Advent. We never talked We never talked about the season of Advent. Once Thanksgiving had passed, we immediately jumped into all things Christmas. And I, and I think that part of the reason that uh, uh, we do that in the church and we do that in our culture is that we, it's because we're drawn to all things Christmas. Um, some of you, uh, we, we love the music, we love the food, uh, we love the gifts, we love the festivities. Uh, that's those things we do like. Here are things we don't like. We don't like stuffing and uh, we don't like Hallmark movies because these things... Right. Boo, Hallmark movies. I'm with you. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but so, so much of this, with the exception of those things, are so appealing to us, and we just want to get there as soon as we can. Pastor Matt, Pastor Matt loves Christmas music, all right? And, and he's the kind of guy who will be playing Christmas music on his Spotify in the middle of June, wearing shorts, you know, I don't know, washing his car or something. He's got Christmas jams going. And so, you know, when, whenever I talk to Matt about anything Christmas-related, his eyes light up and this big smile. He loves Christmas. Now, I, I just think that sometimes we, we just want to get here as fast as it possibly can. I, I, I can kind of relate to this a little bit because I'm the type of person that doesn't like to wait. I, I like to see things moving forward, and, and I, I like to give a gift as soon as I get it. In fact, this last week, I, I bought a gift uh, uh, for my wife, and when I bought it, I told myself, this is for Christmas. You're buying this for Christmas, and I was so excited, and, and I put it in the back of the car, and, and, and I'll tell you what, as soon as I got home, I took it out and gave it to her because I just couldn't help myself. I wanted her to have that gift. I didn't want to go through that waiting period. And at this time of year, <clears throat> I don't think that we much like waiting either. We, whether we're celebrating the festivities of Christmas or remembering the birth of our Savior, we are just eager to get there. But I just want to, I, I, I want to encourage us to just slow down just a little bit. 
Just, just slow down. And that's partially what Advent can do for us. It can help, help us to shift our mind from just focusing on the result to spending some time in the process. And along the way, some Christmas music, some decorating, some festivities, no Hallmark movies, those, but everything else would be helpful and appropriate. But I just don't want us to get too far ahead of ourselves. Advent refers, refers to the impending arrival of something significant or something of great value. And, and this season is certainly one that marks the arrival of something significant and of great value. Now, some, some would call Advent the season of the dawn. For, for, for you younger people, the dawn is what happens before the sun comes out in the morning. And it's a special time. So when you get over 40, you're going to experience that. But, it, but it's in the dawn that you can catch, catch glimpses of, of the pinks and the oranges along the horizon as the sun begins to try to break through the sky. And even while you wait for the sun to fully appear, there exists these long stretches of shadows and, and, and places that are still dark. It's in the darkness of dawn that you can still hear the stillness of the night, but you can also begin to hear the stirring of the day. And neither one has become a dominant force, but both seem to exist in some kind of a, a non-competing harmony both realizing that at any moment the dawn will break through that silence of the darkness and it will be overpowered by the sounds of the light. It's in that space, we can call it the in-between, that Advent exists. It's the place where we live. The space between the darkness of a world that is without Christ and the light of a world with Christ. We exist there. And we can see the light coming, but it has not yet fully appeared. And it's in this particular season that we remember Christ's birth. It was His birth that marked the arrival of the light. But yet we are still people of the Advent, living in the in-between, anticipating the arrival of the light once again. We stand in the glow of the dawn. We anticipate the return of Christ who will come in His final victory. To live in, in that space, in the advent, in the in-between where the glow of the dawn is seen will produce a hope. Hope in the Christ child who came so many years ago and gave us forgiveness and redemption, but also a hope in his return. We light this first Advent candle today to, to remind us of the hope that we have in the Christ who was born, but also in Christ who will return. And it serves to remind us that we are to be a people of light in a world that is still blanketed in darkness. And it serves to remind us that we live in the in-between, the glow of the dawn. And in that space, we are called to live and to love and to serve, to celebrate, mourn, and grieve all in the light of hope. And our text today 
talks about hope, but not perhaps in the way that we might initially think. It comes to us from a letter from Paul uh, who wrote this to the early Christians in Rome, and he is talking to them about this in-between place in which we exist. And he's talking about what it looks like to live in the advent of Christ. And those who received this letter from Paul many years ago, they found themselves in a place of great hostility and persecution. And Paul says to them that they must understand the present time. They must understand the present time. For them, the present time was not a good one. They, they, they were suffering under the rule of an impressive government. Their lives were literally lived in the shadows of the Roman Colosseum where Christians were killed for sport. Their lives were, 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 were in close proximity to the life of Jesus there on, here on earth, yet the things that Jesus came to defeat, they were not completely eradicated. Suffering and death and pain were very much a reality for them still. And you think about our own present time today. Many of you are facing or have faced incredibly difficult seasons of life. And for all of us, something that's very fresh on our minds is the COVID pandemic, during which we saw many lives lost. We saw many fall subject to the, the deadly implications of this virus. And even more than this, we have seen division and the crumbling of relationships amongst friends and church family and even blood family because of what has happened in the last two years. But what Paul is saying here is that this present time, this space in which the Christians in Rome found themselves and this space in which we find ourselves still today is different for those who follow Jesus. While the church, from the earliest days of her conception to today, the church has been intimately familiar with sin and suffering in the world, she is also aware of and familiar with the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the resurrection of Jesus. You see, our present time is a place in which a thin veil divides a world of suffering and sin from the glory that is to come. We live in the dawn of the coming reign of Christ. And so Paul uses this, this language of imagery to, of waking up, to, to stir us. He says, wake up! Wake up! Your salvation is nearer than it has ever been. And I love the way that uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in his uh, paraphrase the message. He says this, don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day -day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off oblivious to God. Can we just read that again? Don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day -day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. He said, the night is about over. The dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. Boy, we need that message today. Be awake to what God is doing. Do you believe that God is doing something? He is. Wake up. 
Be awake to what he's doing. When Paul uses this word, when he says wake up, it's, it's actually the Greek word agero, which is also translated as to resurrect. Paul is using this language to remind us that we are to be awake in Christ. We have been baptized into Christ and we are participants in his resurrection. We live, guys, we live in resurrection power. That's huge. Resurrection is a defeat of death. We live in that power. It's a beautiful reminder to us that Jesus came into the darkness and he defeated it. Jesus came and he, he brought light into that which was covered in darkness. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, are called to live as people of light. It's certainly true that in this present age there are things to lament. There are things to be concerned about. Whether it's your own uh, personal situation, the struggles that you're facing, or maybe even just the general state of affairs that we see in our world today, it's easy to put them on the mantle of woe is me. And then we wear them very proudly. Uh, but, but please hear me when I say this today. We are to be people of light. We are to be people of light. Now, this does not mean that we don't recognize the darkness because that's just ignorant. It doesn't mean that we don't see the reality of the situation, but it does mean, it does mean that when we see the darkness and when we see the suffering and when we see the sin, we speak words of life and light over them and not cover them in the shade of anxiety and worry. You see, Paul was seeing these same things among the Christians in Rome. This is why he tells them that they must put aside the deeds of darkness, that they must put on the armor of light. Look again at verse 13. He says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. He's saying there is not a minute to waste, guys. There is not a minute to waste. You cannot afford to squander the precious daylight hours that you have by living in self-indulgence and, self and frivolity and sleeping around and bickering and then grabbing everything you can inside. He says, no, get out of bed. Get dressed. Don't waste a single minute. Those who are people of the light must live as people of the light. And in that, there's great hope. This is not a message today about works versus faith, but a message that says those who live in the light, who follow Jesus, live differently. Can I say that again? This is not a message about 
works versus faith. This is the message that says that those who live in the light, those who follow Jesus, live differently. Those who follow Jesus don't live in the darkness and the activities that populate the darkness. These are the activities that populate the darkness. Paul says, when we follow Christ, we don't live in these activities. And I think sometimes, as good church-going folk, we can look at half of this list and go, I'm, I'm golden, I don't have a problem here. It's really the ones that go down to the bottom of the list that we really fail at. Can I be real with you this morning? You're like, I don't deal with drunkenness, and I'm not sexually immoral, and I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> but I can't believe that. And can you believe that she? The dissension and jealousy is probably where we live. Not to say that these other ones are not also issues for many people in the church today. Many people who claim to follow Christ, who are living fully in these things. We are called to live as people of light. Those who follow Jesus don't live in the darkness. And they don't participate in the activities that populate the darkness. They live in the light and their lives contrast that which thrives in the darkness. Anger and division and jealousy and rage and hatred and sexual immorality and bitterness and worry and fear, those things thrive in the darkness. But listen to me this morning. Jesus defeated the darkness. <laughs> Jesus defeated the darkness through His death and His resurrection, He has defeated that which finds its residence in the darkness with light. And it's a light that those who follow Jesus carry with them even as they abide in this present time. This means that the people of God live as though the light already rules the world. That's what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. You live as though the light is already ruling the world. You live as though Christ has returned, as though Christ has made things right. You live as a glimpse of the kingdom that is to come and is already here in our world today. You see, Paul's words that he wrote many years ago were not just for the church there in Rome who suffered under the hand of an oppressive regime. They were words for you. And they were words for me. Because we are people of the dawn. We are people of Advent as we await something of great significance. We live in hope. Even when the shadows of darkness are all around us, we live as people of the light. 
I think that there are times when we're stepping into this season, and while it may be a season of festivities and a season of celebration, it can also be for some of us a season of heaviness. Um, maybe a season of heaviness because you've experienced loss. Maybe this is the first Christmas that you'll be without a mother or a father or a husband or a wife or a child. Maybe you're struggling with your own anxiety. Maybe you're battling depression. Maybe you're unsure of how you're going to make it all work economically this year. Some of you are living today in homes and in marriages that are absolutely riddled with strife. What's supposed to be a season of lights and music can sometimes be a season of just overwhelming stress and anxiety. And perhaps it's not just this season. Maybe you're in a cycle of anxiousness or worry or fear. Maybe you're burdened by the realities of this present age and the weight of it sometimes is just too much, more than you can even begin to handle. And maybe as I stand up here and I talk about hope and we sing about hope, you're not even entirely sure what that feels like because most of the time you just feel hopeless. Can I, I just want to say this first to you today. Listen. You are not alone. I think sometimes when we're in that space, guys, where <laughs> we're dealing with any number of things that basically, let's just summarize it under anxiety and fear and worry. When we're dealing with those things, we look around, we look around us and we go, well, why is nobody else dealing with this? Why is it just me? Why am I the only one who's worried and has anxiety? You are not alone because what you're experiencing, somebody else here has experienced. What you're walking through, somebody else has already walked through. It's not unique to you. I know that it sometimes feels that way. And I think that's what the enemy does to us. When we get in the lowest of lows and we're by ourselves or it's late at night or whenever that moment is and the enemy tells you, man, mm, it's too bad you're the only one who ever has to deal with this. And we believe it. We go, yeah, mm, why me? But it's not. It's not just you. And I think, <laughs> I think this is just such an important place for us to begin when we start talking about this so that we can all just start at the same place. It's where we all admit that we don't all have it together. Amen. 
Nobody came in here this morning on an oyster. You catch my drift? You know, the world is your oyster. Forget it. Nobody came in here this morning with everything just working 100%. Every wheel turning, every cog. Nobody came in here that way. And you may look around. I'll tell you what. Sometimes, and I know you all know this is not true because I've told enough stories, but sometimes people look at the pastor and his family and go, they probably all got up this morning and saying, Jesus loves me around the breakfast table with a <laughs> fresh breakfast that, 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 that Miss Janice obviously made. And Pastor Mark probably already gave them a sermon first thing this morning. Then they all got in the car and, and they drove here together praying the whole way. I woke up this morning and my head was throbbing and I was tired and I was fighting an inner inner battle in myself that just wanted, I just wanted to go back to bed. I wanted to go back to bed and I this is what I do. <laughs> but I wanted to go back to bed this morning. My head hurt so bad I was tired. I have no idea what happened after I left the house. None. But I guarantee you it wasn't pretty. <laughs> <coughs> So don't come rolling in here Sunday morning thinking, I don't know why my kids have to be the only ones. They're not. They're not. Your spouse is not the only one that makes your life difficult. Your bills are not the only one that come in the mail every single day. Everybody else has been there or currently is. Can we just start there? Can we just start at the same place where we go, yeah, man, I get it. I have struggles because if we can do that, then we can walk together through this present time. Let me also say this. If you listen to this talk of hope, and yet you feel hopeless, let me just offer this to you. It's in this same letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome who were experiencing incredible persecution, he wrote this a couple chapters later. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. As you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are without hope today, let me invite you to trust in Him. Let me invite you to trust in Him. Trust in Him with all that you are, with every ounce of your being, with every thought and with every word and with every deed and with every step you take. Just trust in Him. And Paul says that when we really and truly Learn to trust in God. Not only will He fill us with joy and peace, but then we will overflow with hope. Overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The significant one that we are anticipating in this season who gives to us forgiveness and redemption and defeated sin and death. Guys, He did not just come to be your Savior. Jesus did not just come to be your Savior. He also came to be your Lord. 
And when Jesus is Lord over our lives, when we truly give ourselves to him with reckless abandon, our present time, it may not radically change. I would not want you to believe the lie that is preached from many pulpits that if you will just say this thing or pray this prayer or give this money, that all of a sudden God's going to, that's a lie. I mean, Paul told the Romans, listen, here's the reality of your present time. So here's the reality of our present time. Things may not radically change. The sickness, the disease, the suffering, the hurt, the pain, all of that still may exist. But now we exist. We exist in this present time as people of the light. And we live in anticipation of the breaking through of the dawn. Because when we are in Christ, we belong to the day. You belong to the day. We don't belong to the night. We belong to the light. We don't belong to the darkness. At the end of our text today, Paul says this. He says, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't Think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I don't know if you ever thought about it like this, but when you give in to your anxiety and when you give in to your worry, when you respond with desperation to the realities of our present time, you are gratifying the desires of the flesh. Hold on to that one for a second, guys, because when you respond to everything that's happening in this world with, oh, <laughs> you are gratifying the desires of the flesh because the flesh wants to deny Christ. You see that? Our flesh wants to deny Christ. Our flesh wants us to depend on ourself. Our flesh wants us to act out, to be angry. But when you clothe yourself with Christ, you are covered by him and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You begin to not think that way. You begin to not respond that way. You become a person of the light. You become a person of hope. In another letter of Paul's, this one he wrote to the church in Ephesus, he writes again about hope. It was his prayer. His prayer for the people of that church. And this is my prayer for this church. I ask God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called, His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. And I also pray that you will understand this incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. 
This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. He has made Him head over all things for the benefit of the church. The church is His body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with Himself. We begin this season of Advent being reminded of the hope that we have in our present time. Our present time that may be one of difficulty and one of trial, but a present time that we as people of light we can exist, but with great hope that sees beyond the temporary. That hope that we have does not come from what we can do or what others can do for us. It does not come from who is or who's not elected or from the strength of the dollar. It does not come from the prices at the grocery store or the prices at the gas pump. It does not come from anything other than Jesus Christ. The one who stepped into the darkness and he conquered it with the light of his love. Let me ask you, do you have hope today? Do you have hope in the temporary things of this life? The things that you have accomplished, maybe your retirement, your job, your family, your spouse. These are often the things that we put our hope in, but I got bad news. They are going to let you down because they're temporary and they are flawed. Or can you truly sing the words of that great hymn that we've sung for so many years? It says, my hope is built on nothing less, nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. You catch that first line? When darkness veils his lovely face. Remember that, that veil, that in-between. What we have not yet fully seen. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale. My anchor holds where? Within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay on Christ, the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, when the dawn breaks, when the light finally pierces the sky, when the veil is once and for all torn down, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. 
in him my righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Where is your hope today? Where is your hope today? Is it in what you have done? Is it in what you have accomplished? Is it in the people who are around you? Is it in me? All of these things will let you down. But a hope in Him will never fail you. The hope that we have is Emmanuel. Christ has come. He has come and He will come again. Heavenly Father, I pray today that our hope would not be in the temporary things of this life would not be in the circumstances of this world, that as we live and exist in this present time, that we would not become so overwhelmed as it lets us down that we lose hope, Father. But in the midst of all of that, as we see the struggles, as we live in the struggles, as we feel the anxiety, as we feel the worry, in the midst of all those things, we would turn to you and we would say, it is in you alone that my hope is found. It is in you alone that I place my trust and I lean into you. God, help us to be people of the light and to think even this week as we go about each day how we might be people of light in a world of darkness. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Would you stand with us this morning as we sing?